turn this thing on. There we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome. You are watching or listening to Two Wizards and a Mic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. So, uh, this week, as we approach the holidays and as we approach eight more days of a certain Kickstarter that we will talk about, uh, you know, things are slowing down. People are getting more relaxed because they're thinking about, the you know, all, taking some time off and stuff. And what better time of the year to start playing D&D than the holidays? So uh, get out there and support the Kickstarter. Andrew, what are we talking about today? Shane, well, the first thing I should say is we have quick news about our last Kickstarter. Uh, really good news, which is... It took a while for us to finally get news about the printed version of the Monsters of the Dungeon, but we finally have news. The printed proof is printed and has been mailed, and it's on the way to the office. So as long as that's all good, then we can start shipping, which will probably be right after the holidays. So that's really good news. As far as, yeah, as far as today... We're looking at the current Kickstarter and we're looking at what makes this world of Mirror special, what makes it unique, uh, original. And the Kickstarter right now, as you said, we've been going for about a week. We have eight days left. And today was a really good day. We moved up from about 77% funded to right now we're at 88%. And we're very close. We're only like 1,200 US away from opening up the first stretch goal so we can see what it is and how far we have to go and um, what other things we can add to this book. What would happen if this first stretch goal was hit on day eight at the 11th hour? Would you extend the Kickstarter? Would we extend the Kickstarter? Like if you hit one stretch goal, it's like, oh, we're so close to the next one. Yeah. I don't know if that's allowed. I thought it would be a question. People might go. Yeah, I don't think. No, you can't do that because you have to you have to give your date of when you want your target by at the beginning, and you have to stick to that. Um, right, cool. However, we have in the past when we've been really close, we have included um, stretch goals that we've been really close to. Yeah, we have done that in the past, but I'm hoping this first one we can get relatively soon because we have at least five and we could have more than that. Yeah. So today we're going to look at there. Sorry. I hope we get there. Yes. So I'm going to do my Chris Rose voice. (laughs) So um, what makes Mir unique? Why? Why would I want to invest in this Kickstarter? What is it about this world that makes it so cool that it needs to exist? Well, let me that tell you, I can think of many reasons, but the first one is that this is a very unusual setting because that saying that one man, one person can change a world. In this world, one really has. And this legendary wizard named Oswald Mir, who later had the world named after him, He has changed everything. Um, He experimented with magic. And what that did was that created these rift gates, these portals 
which now people and creatures can travel around the multiverse and the world with. Although they're not all stabilized yet, and um, it's not like there's doorways, you know, and, oh, I can choose that one and go there, no problem, and I know where it is. It's more complicated. Although a game master could make it so they're stable. And so he's made these, and that's changed everything because dangerous monsters have arrived. Um, different people can travel to different parts of the world. And a curse came through um, with these portals that has also affected time and space. So sometimes the climate and the seismic, um, you know, the seismology of the area has also been affected. Sometimes people even just disappear and then reappear. Which I know as a player, I have experienced that myself where we have had characters that were suddenly there. And I, I think probably the scariest thing uh, was walking into a room with a portal and a large creature was on the other side and the portal was just in the process of closing. And that was unnerving. I got to say, <laughs> we, I think we were only level two or three at the time. But uh, yeah, it was it was pretty terrifying. Yeah, so these portals really have changed everything. Oswald's changed everything. He has a very long story. We've we've started to highlight some of that in the updates and uh, in the preview booklet, which you can look at on the Kickstarter page. And we'll put all the links, obviously, below. Um, the other thing that's happened is that one of the unique things is that you've got nine worlds really in one because the nine continents in the world have been separated by the basically this incredibly dangerous ocean or oceans and monsters so there weren't many people sailing back and forth from continent to continent very few at all so because of that these nine continents have really grown up and evolved separately and now the rift gates are having these different groups of people and factions and monsters meet many for the first time so you've really, when you get Mir, you've got nine worlds really in one, not just one setting. Which is actually very cool because you have, I mean, a lot of, I mean, actually, I'll, I'll compare it to like something like um, Skyrim or not necessarily Skyrim, but, but a lot of those kinds of games where you have all these different biomes that are jammed together into a fairly small area. Right, uh, right. And they usually are done fairly well and stuff like that, but you know, in video game land, they spend a lot of time doing that. But yeah, in D and D, I like having very distinct uh, places to go that have their own cultures, which is is more, uh, I guess, akin to like the like Middle Earth kind of uh, you know world building and storytelling, where you have you know a particular area that's 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 icy, a particular area that's fairly temperate. Then you have the seasons in those areas and. Then you have the people further to the south who are uh, very sort of desert-dwelling kind of uh, individuals and stuff like that, which uh, Mir kind of has that in, in in each, as you said, each continent has its own kind of... Like I think of, is it Mizan or is it... Uh, it might be Mizan who I think of as kind of a desert one. Uh, no, what is the desert one? Ginos. Uh, Ginos. And so basically you have like Australia in in the in the southern part of of the world so which i kind of like uh yeah it's yeah. 
I personally, I don't like those settings or worlds where everything is jammed really close together and it doesn't really make sense of why these things are so close to each other. So that's one of the reasons that I made a whole world and that the story is that they've been separated. And really, if you look at it, the five central continents, like Zog, Mir, Nair, and Mazan, and Galen are all quite similar. The most different one it being Mazan because it's even more mountainous and there's volcanoes. So, but in general, those five are quite similar. And that takes up, that makes up actually the bulk of the world and the bulk of where most humanoids, you know, humans, elves, dwarves, gnomes, halflings, where most of those creatures live, that's the bulk of the world and the more inhabitable inhabitable part of the world. Right. But the extremes are there, but they're not the same. Like you mentioned Ginos. There's very few people living there, very few humanoids, even creatures, actually. Um, and Tyrannos as well, the jungle world, not as many humanoids as well. And then the same with the other extreme with Norvold in the north and Voth. Um, in fact, only one of those four continents has humans and there's not that many, especially compared to the rest of the world. So we tried to make a world that made sense and that also like you have these unique worlds. Um, but in terms of the terrain and the climate, five of them, the central ones are fairly similar. Um, again, we wanted to have something that felt more real and, um, and then you also have, you know, a, a lot of variety. Now, when you were putting this world together initially, what drove you to have it so that the, not only did they have oceans in, you know, between them, right. um, but you made them dangerous oceans because I know that in the adventures I've played so far in Mirror. I don't actually recall too many times where I think we had one adventure where we were sailors and we were on a ship and we traveled around, but we didn't travel around a whole lot uh, in that particular adventure. But if we had turned left or right and right. gone south or east west, what kind of what was sort of the impetus for that when you were putting it together? That if you get in a boat and travel there, you're right. going to have a bad time. Yeah. Well. I think more you're talking about our adventures in Greyhawk when we actually have had quite a lot of adventures and traveling happening on ships. We haven't in, in the world of Mir almost at all. Some very well, short. That's what I mean. We only had that one adventure where we had a ship at some point because we were, it was the Firefly campaign, wasn't it? Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Now I know what you mean. Yeah, that part, except you were basically just going along the coast. You never yeah, act that, that's kind of what I meant. Like if we yeah. turn left or right, how yeah, how would our exactly. lives as adventurers been bad? <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Like, yeah, you definitely you stayed on the coast and you, we've uh, been a little bit into some of the bays and uh it's all all the ship journeys in Mir in the world in our in all those campaigns. Um none of them have been from one continent to another and none of them have been really out to sea very far. Um, exactly. So I did that because in general, Mir is a very dangerous place filled with monsters. And, you know, there's lots of reasons for that. One is that the NPCs and the player characters are quite powerful and they have to have things to challenge them. And the world is quite like, you know, the leaders of states are powerful. Leaders of the factions are 
And there has to be this balance in power for basically for it to be a functioning world, right? You know, if everything, if that wasn't there, then one group would be dominating everything. And that's not happening yet in Mir. So there's a lot of different power sources, a lot of different powerful creatures, factions, and the oceans are just a part of that as well. And then the other reason I did that was because I wanted to have these worlds separate and evolve by themselves and try to find a way that it made sense. You know, you had to think too of the elves. The elves have been in Mir for half a million years. But so why wouldn't they have just spread across the whole world? Well, this is the main reason. And actually, they have spread more than the other races because they've been out there so long. But there, there are not a lot of people traveling. And then when I did decide that there were going to be there was going to be some migration from Zog to Mir at one point in the history for, for the humans, because those are the really the two main areas where they're humans, Zog and Mir. I had to find another reason of why that ended. So I made it even more dangerous. And what happened was the void was created in Zog, which is filled with undead creatures, which are on in the water and on the land. So right, right. it was to give a really challenging world and one that's really fully alive and that if you dare to travel from one continent to another on the oceans, it is an adventure. And... And the you know now the Riftgate option is also another adventure because there's a lot of things that could happen with these portals. As I said, the way they're written in the book, there you know there's a chart of all these things that can happen when you use them. They might work properly. You might end up somewhere else. A guardian might show up. Um, you know, it's uh, you could have a Seinfeld effect. Maybe I should put that in there, right? Like you smell like cheese or. Um, you only you can only eat your peas one at a time now after going through this portal. Well, I, I just see that there's a new monster book that needs to be done. Uh, <laughs> you know, Monsters of the Abyss or something, you know, where right. there are all these creatures that are running around in the oceans of Mir that are about to uh, have a discussion with your uh, mode of travel. Um. <laughs> well, actually, that's funny you say that because there was somebody today on um on the on the kickstarter who said you know you should you should do another book that has ocean creatures we do have ocean creatures in the wilderness book we have a whole chapter on them but he said no go to town do we want more um and i know travis would be really into that <laughs> well i think it would be a great idea because uh but let, but hey let's get the the, the mirror book out the door first and then yeah uh, the next one and then you know think about that down the road one thing at a time exactly because otherwise it'd be 17 kickstarters running simultaneously and you'll have a heart attack and keel over um so basically now with the uh the void opening and all of those kinds of things happening um when people get the get this book uh, all of that will be explained, like in th those kinds of things. And oh yeah, and also uh, when you were building the world, when did the void come up? Was that sort of an idea, an idea at the beginning, or did that come later? No, that came later because I just started out with the village in Mir, 
And then on the continent of Mir, which is the smallest continent in the whole world. So I knew that people had come to Mir from somewhere else. I knew that right away that this was a continent that people had migrated to at some point. So that was the, and trying to remember, I think, I think next I decided where the elves were from. So I made Nairn, which is another continent. And, and I'd always had a Northern continent where the, this group of Northerners had arrived. And then, and then after that, I, I decided on Zog. I remember actually first drawing it out and just, it's enormous compared to Mir where the humans moved to. And then I had to come up with a reason why haven't they continued to settle the area? So that's when I started to work on the void. And that ties into, there's some really good elements that came with the humans from Zog to Mir, but there's also some sinister elements. So uh, a noble family who have vampirism and uh, a family who's infected with lycanthropy, they also came and brought that curse, those curses to Mir. So all of that and the void and all of that start to, a lot of, you know, there's some decisions you make and then there's some that kind of grow naturally and organically. And that, that whole void concept and everything grew out of the, out of what was naturally happening. Speaking of the different sizes of continents, you have, Mir was the first one you were developing, I assume. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and but in terms of scale sort of how did you establish that sorry you, you, you kind of look at, at mir and how sort of big it is and it's the smallest of the of the land masses when you added the other ones were you kind of thinking of i should make it bigger or what kind of kind of ideas about the scale of the of the entire world were you kind of thinking at the time i basically found dimensions for a small planet and then and then just, I already knew how big Mir was because I already had the map and I had the distances. And so then I put Mir onto this much larger map of this whole world, this whole planet, and then basically started drawing the other continents. I was doing this actually, I remember now, um, on my coffee break and lunch break when I was a teacher. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, my desk was covered in maps and eventually what was going on there just outgrew my job and I had to I had to start a new job. Well, it makes sense because I mean that that that's the nice thing about being able to build something uh like what you've what you've created is that if you don't spend the time, if you don't actually I mean like I'm pretty sure that Tolkien wasn't you know, having to come home from his shift at Seven Eleven, uh, you know, to, to, to think, oh, I, I, only, I only have a few hours when I get home. I got kids and all right. that stuff. You know, uh, you know. Granted, he had the advantage of living in academia, but you know, he had a job, job, and he had to do that stuff. And yeah, uh, luckily for him, he was able to probably spend time like you did. But eventually, he gave that up and decided, okay, well, this is what I'm doing, and uh, you know, whoop, history was made. But I mean, that's the thing where being able to involve your mind with that sort of focus to, 
take near and kind of expand upon it and then okay well this is another continent what's going to live here and this is going to okay why are they not traveling okay okay we've got the okay how are they going to get anywhere okay rifts okay all right cool how do we control those we'll make it a mystery like all of that kind of stuff sort of rattles around in your head um but it's only when you get to take the time to actually sit down and write it down and organize it um in a way that makes sense um it's it's an incredible thing to be able to do and not a lot of people can do it uh tons of people have tried and 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 not failed but they realize how much work it is and it's kind of like yeah i got to get back to the coal mine for yeah. that 12 hour shift I'll, I'll 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 think about it later you know that kind of thing but um so the scale was was pretty pretty bang on um now creature wise you've filled up the world now with all with how many creatures in total so in the, the ones series? from our books uh there's 676 in the monster series so all those creatures and their stories and everything will be in uh the world the Feyland and underworld monsters we'll talk about connections because Feyland and underworld the underworld are connected to mir so those creatures will be there but also many of those creatures that are in the Feyland and underworld books they're also in the world of Mir as well. And um, they'll, we'll actually in the book have a little footnote. Every time we mention a creature that's one of ours, we'll tell you what book it's from in the series. And then of course, we'll have all the traditional creatures as well. So there's gonna be your dragons and giants and orcs and goblins. And, um, and then the few creatures that I'm not really a big fan of, they're not in there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you got to have your favorites. You got to have the ones that's right. likes because, you know, there are some creatures that I kind of well, actually, what's your least favorite creature? Uh, that, well, would, that would never darken the door of Mir ever. It's not really that I it's creatures that I just don't really see. I either, you know, they don't really make sense to me or I don't see why I would need them. So one is the kobold because i feel if i have goblins and orcs i've got evil humanoids kind of covered and if i want a humanoid group that worships a dragon i have lizard lizard men um and then the knoll the hyena person i'm just yeah i just i think maybe it's partly that i'm from africa and i know what hyenas are and <laughs> they're not a pleasant creature in any shape of and to make a human version of it, like, yeah, no. Uh, so gnolls and kobolds, uh, modrons. I don't know if you want, know what modrons are. Modron. Okay, I'm looking this up. Yeah. So they're, they're these constructs from another world. And to me, it doesn't really feel like a fantasy creature. It's more of a sci-fi creature. Yeah, they're hideous and should never, ever be used. Wow. Yeah, and then of course the flump, the uh, goofy, underdark, weird. Um, and they're well, partly, you know, I don't need lots of. Well, I'm going to say I didn't need a lot of good monsters, although we've published more good monsters than anybody else ever has. Um, but I think they're cool. I do not think the flump is cool. <laughs> um, There's also that balance of those kinds of creatures have their time and place and just looking at the modron i had forgotten all about that one uh to me that would be i don't know 
invasion from another dimension or something. So, you know, another dimension can be all crazy and whatnot, and they would not be uh, at home in Mirror. Uh, but again, why? Like, they're, they're just weird looking. So, oh, we've we've lost him. No, come back, Andrew. Come back. Uh, well, hi. Uh, the, I don't know uh, if he's coming back. I'm sure he will be. But uh, but yeah, creatures that don't fit. Uh, you don't have to use them. Uh, you know, you can create your own. You can go out and support the monster series. You can uh, dig deep into past creatures from D and D lore. Uh, so yeah, I certainly hope that uh, you all come back soon. How about let's take a look at the Kickstarter. Let's see where we are at uh, because the Kickstarter is kind of important. Important? Important. So uh, hang on one second. I'm going to bring Andrew back. <laughs> and Andrew's back. I I was carrying the show uh, talking about <laughs> all kinds of garbage. But um, you were saying sort of about I was just saying about Modrons and how they right. might fit in with some sort of thing. But I yeah, no, I was saying that um, those kind of funny, goofy creatures, you know, and we've made our share of them for sure. Um, yeah, they're not always everybody's cup of tea and you've got to decide which ones you want, and which you don't. And those ones are not really my favorite. So there's a few things that I'm not really into and dinosaurs in D&D, um, not really my thing. Although there are places for all these creatures that would, would work quite well. So that that's on the book as well, um, in terms of you know all our monsters and then room for others. The um, the other thing that makes Mir quite unique is that we've really built it like Greyhawk, so that homebrew adventures can work well. So there's lots of space that D GMs can have to still do their thing, and we've made really archetypal places and stories that really fit with those kind of adventures so you know a giant's adventure or the evil dragon or vampires or werewolf a werewolf um clan those sorts of things you know well we highlight them actually in the preview booklet but in the final book we'll make it even more um clear and we'll give resources to help uh game masters so that it's easy to homebrew and mirror that's actually a really important feature. And, and as well, in terms of, of the world, um, you've made it completely open to not just D&D, &D, but you're making it so that it's, uh, oh, my Lord, my brain, open D&D &D kind of idea. Yeah. Um, is that some, now, was that a, a part of the original thought or was that because of everything happened earlier in the year? That's that's evolved over time. No, for sure that's changed over time. Uh, in fact, one thing I went through, I went through Mirror and actually took out some of the um, kind of very 5e niche things. Like I took out Dragonborn, I took out Tieflings. So I tried to make it so that it was more open to any kind of RPG. And there are going to be very little mechanics at all in here. It's going to, but it would be really useful for any system. And um, 
yeah, that definitely has evolved over time. And we made a decision early this year that we will make all our products for as many RPGs as possible. We're not going to just be 5e. Does that mean that there might be future revisions of uh, previous books or some sort of addendum to them uh, to make them uh, to give people tips on how to make them more uh, tabletop friendly to any system? Well, that's a good question. The um, what we did with the, the dungeon book, which is about to be um, published, is that we've made tables for 5e stat blocks so you can easily change them to other systems all the main mechanics um part of for the uh uh air filter that just decided to go off here <laughs> so, i was wondering um, what that was yeah so yeah we're gonna we're gonna do that more and more and people can use those and go back go back to the monster series and use them to convert monsters quite easily and then we might make more resources for that as well. Um, as far as going back and doing revisions of the book, we'll have to see. Uh, considering we're such a small team, um, you know, that's unlikely at this point, but I won't say no. <laughs> well, no, it, it might happen in the future. I'm not thinking it would happen in a year or two. I'm thinking like, you know, five years down the road, uh, especially with, uh, you know, the evolution of all the tabletop gaming systems that have basically really sort of forced the revolution over the last sort of what, 10 months or so uh because of what was happening back in february with uh with the uh ogl dnd there yeah <laughs> daddy dnd but um no i think it's very cool that looking at mir as a whole i mean having the i just uh, even just looking at it visually and having the ideas where it's like oh i could do an adventure over here i could do an adventure over there and uh and anyone can do that which is very cool um what would be a one now if you had one question left and you're standing in front of a room of fifty thousand people who have all come and paid to listen to your wisdom what is the sort of final word on why mirror uh is unique to other places well i'd say two things i'd say uh travis's amazing art you know, a person today said, wow, it's kind of like the art from the Bone comic books. And uh, oh. they said that's such a great kind of visual for a Dungeons and Dragons adventure. They'd never seen it before. So they, I think his art, very unique, actually by a person and not AI. Uh, and he's also doing the graphic design and layout. Uh, I think his art is very unique. And it'll be nice to have it all by the same artist, which we've done with the monster books too. Uh, the other thing is all the detail, like we're really going to make an effort to have the most detailed setting we can have. So, you know, you're going to learn all about the NPCs and we talked about the monsters, the history. You're going to know the resources of an area, even of a village. You'll know, oh, you know, there's a lot of fishermen here. Uh, there's mines nearby. Um, oh, this town, they have clay or this town, they have gemstones. Um, you know, you'll learn about the factions and the guards and the leaders. Um, you know, there's going to be knighthoods and monk brotherhoods, thieves guilds, uh, lots of different kinds of guilds. So the the detail is going to be very, very um, specific, and it's going to cover the whole world. 
Uh, and I'm glad that I started 10 years ago, so I don't have a lot more <laughs> to do. Well, you know, it it's it's a a pleasure to be able to build these kinds of things. Like it's it's I mean it's it's your what do, what do the kids say? It's your passion. Like these are things that have been cooking in your head for a long time, and uh, and they've come to they've come to life and are coming to life even more with the next uh, uh, World of Mirror book. So, you know, uh, if you have not heard, if you're listening to us for the very first time, you don't know who the hell we are. The thing you should know is that there is a Kickstarter right now that is going on uh, as we speak for the next uh, ten ten the next eight days and it is over here it is the world of mirror campaign setting for any rpg rgb well i must be a nerd <laughs> you will note i'm a backer i backed up here right up here i i, I already got my pledge in but uh we are at 88 percent. this has not moved for the last little bit but uh, there are definitely updates that have been coming out a mirror moment with oswald these are actually very cool i've been enjoying them but uh, there's definitely a lot here that you could actually uh, make your game better. You could have some fun and uh, support a small publisher. Uh, don't forget, there's also the Monster Series, which is way down here in the campaign list, uh, where you can see monsters like this, where you can see creatures like that, where you can <laughs> see a big, huge map like this and another creature there. So I definitely recommend uh, supporting uh, this particular event. Uh, this particular product uh, because it's important and we all have to you know support people that are not the big daddies uh, you know because as much as we love them and how much pleasure we've had over the from them over the years uh, there's always room for other people to be in the in the market so there you go <laughs> any final words about the kickstarter um well just that uh, we're going to do some giveaways as well over the next few days. So to promote the Kickstarter and also to give away some of the monster series, uh, we'll have cool. those running on our social media. So people should look out for those as well. And also next week, uh, we'll be doing this a bit later uh, in our day uh, because we are going to close out the uh, Kickstarter by talking about it and hopefully uh, you know, people will uh, will push it over the edge if it isn't already, which it'll be done by tomorrow. I mean, come on. <laughs> when do you think about it? These are great products. So, uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching. Uh, of course, there's going to be a bunch of links down below that you can go and find out about the Kickstarter and everything about uh, the publisher. And uh, I hope you guys come back and subscribe and do all those fancy things. And, uh, you know, feel free to talk to us online there's the podcast there's the publishing we're everywhere we are not going away uh so there you go i'm very excited now how can you tell thank you everybody we'll talk to you next time later, later.